Cheers cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. The local TV show, kind of like American Bandstand. Carla used to dance on it. Oh, yeah. I danced my way into New England's heart until I made up that stupid rule. Well, what rule is that? The one that said the pregnant 16-year-olds can't holy golly on TV. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me this episode are two of my favorite podcasters, and I'm not saying that just because they're Patreon sponsors who pay for the privilege of hearing this show. It's purely coincidental. First up, from the Right On Network, whose podcasts cover sitcoms like Seinfeld and Friends and DC superheroes like Batgirl, The Huntress, and Birds of Prey, please welcome back Mr. Ashford Wright. What's up, Ashford? Hello, Tim. Hello, everyone. This is great. Tim. Tim. <laughs> Ryan. Hello. We were doing so much Tim talk pre-gaming. <laughs> you know what? I know Tim is listening to this, and I'm not going to explain what that's about. He's just going to be like, why were they talking about me? <laughs> Next up, one half of Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack and the host of Monday Movie Muckabout. Welcome back, Rick Heineken. How's it going, Rick? It is going very well, and uh, a big hello to Tim Price. (laughs) You know what you've done. (laughs) All right, I got the guys on here to talk about Season 4, Episode 20, 420, nothing uh, interesting about that. Actually, before we go, Rick, Rick, you're you're probably on pain meds, and you've got a beer you shouldn't be mixing, but it's 420, so sure. Amazingly, they didn't give me that many pain meds. I, I was really hoping they would, but I really wanted to find a 420 beer, but I didn't. But I did find this. This is from Laurelwood Brewing Company, and I thought it was very appropriate for this episode because it's called Kids These Days. Wow. And Yes. <laughs> and if nothing that's, day, else, that's Kids and Days with Z's? Yeah, oh yeah. Kids, yeah, Kids These Days. So we get a little bit of the 420 in there, but also Kids These Days because – we are talking about a couple of crazy kids in this episode, and I thought it, I thought it might be a good choice. And then there was a specific line that was said a couple times in this episode, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the oh, beer yeah. for the episode. This is a good one. This is a good one. Uh, all right. As I said, season four, episode 20, Save the Last Dance for Me. This episode is written by Heidi Perlman, directed by Jim Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, February 27th, 1986. Carla is excited, possibly for the first time in her life, because the Boston Boppers, a popular music and dance show in the style of American Bandstand, is having a reunion special. As a teenager, Carla used to dance with the Boppers along with her then-soon-to-be ex-husband, Nick Tortelli. The reunion dance competition gives the winning couple $500 and a trip to Hawaii. Carla knows that she and Nick could win the competition if they dance together, but she has too much pride to ask him. However, she is not too proud to suggest the Cheers gang call Nick for her. But when Nick and Loretta arrive at Cheers, Nick and Carla fight over which one of them was the more talented dancer and refuse to go with each other. Nick says he can win the contest with Loretta just as easily as he could with Carla. Carla invites a friend who used to dance with the boppers, but he injures himself falling down the steps at Cheers. At Diane's urging, Sam volunteers to accompany Carla, revealing his surprising gracefulness on the dance floor. 
During the contest, both couples are eliminated, but Nick protests, declaring that he would have won if he danced with his real partner. He and Carla slow dance to Unchained Melody in front of the rest of the boppers, and despite the fact that another couple was already named the winner, Nick and Carla are awarded the prizes. Loretta is upset, though, because she thinks Nick will fall back in love with Carla. Later, back at Cheers, Nick approaches Carla and asks her to go to Hawaii with him. She considers it, but when she asks about Loretta, Nick tells her she's going too. It would be all three of them. At which point, Carla cracks an egg over his head. Alrighty, guys. Uh, First up, Ashford, what did you think of this episode? You know what? I think Heidi Perlman is my favorite uh, Cheers writer so far because... She's not writing the best episodes, but whenever I see her name, now I understand a layer or two will be added to the character. You know, she writes an episode, we get Coach's daughter. Uh, A lot of times we learn about Carla. So we get this layer that not only did Carla used to perform in a local bandstand type dance thing, but also we learned that Sam, again, with uh, compromises, he took dance classes with Diane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're right. And and this season I definitely this was the season I think Heidi Perlman was moved up to one of the one of the showrunners, one of the executive producers cuz or yeah, one of the the co-execs um cuz she worked on a lot of scripts this season and I think I think Ashford maybe you and I talked about it on one of your last appearances. I think it was after this that she left to go co-create the Tracy Ullman show. Oh wow! I think because she doesn't because she she's uh, she was writing a lot of episodes for a while and then she leaves and will only come back occasionally. Um, but yeah, I think this was probably her biggest season in terms of how many how many episodes she wrote. And yeah, you're right. She's she's really good about bringing some some nuance. For a while, it seems like she was only writing Carla episodes, but she wrote a lot of other ones too. So, uh, Rick, what did you think about this one? I would agree with that. I I hadn't thought about it before, but I would definitely agree with Ashford that. She brings the not the funniest episodes, not the biggest episodes, not the deepest episodes, but definitely ones that explore more of the characters and the inner relationships. And she does a good job with, with especially with Carla, but with all the characters and just looking at their B or C stories. I enjoyed this one overall. I thought, I mean, any episode with Nick, it's going to be funny. Um, <laughs> it's it's. We, I think we've talked about it before on the show that when you've got a Carla-centric episode, it can get a little, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable. Carla, she's the negative in the bar, so how are we going to have a lot of fun with this one? But anytime you have Carla and Nick together and reliving the past, there's a sweetness in this episode, and there's a couple of absolute laugh-out-loud moments, and at least one moment, are you kidding me, this song? <laughs> but we'll get to that, I'm sure. But, no, I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed this one a lot. Getting into it, the teaser, uh, we start with Woody is uh, getting dressed up. He is going on what he says his first date with a city girl. Um, and he asks Diane for advice. Um, and he hopes to be as skilled at picking up the women. When he, he describes it as picking up the babes as Sam. Do you guys agree with me that Woody saying a phrase like picking up the babes or scoring with the babes or something sounds awkward? Um, maybe intentionally so. Like it's, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you've already said it. It's supposed to be awkward. It's supposed to be. uh, Diane calls it out herself. She says, you are listening to these guys way too much. You're picking up bad habits from them. And she gets into the school marm almost with like, you need to, you know, play with 
better mm-hmm. kids and let me go ahead <laughs> yeah. and straighten you out. So, yeah, it's supposed to sound awkward. It's not supposed to sound like this is something he would say. It's supposed to put her and the audience off going, no, this isn't our Woody. But he's just doing his best. He wants to be like Sam. He wants to be smooth like Sam. Okay, sure. The only way he knows how to do that is to talk like him. Right. right. You know, at the age of four, I was reading the New York Times. <laughs> This explains yeah. so much about you, Ashford. Oh, yeah. oh, oh no, Diane, Diane, you're right, you're right, Diane. <laughs> and she, of course, that's what, this is where she comes in. She says, you know, the, she's trying to give him advice for going on the date, and she mentions that the best conversationalists are good listeners, and then immediately, with no sense of the irony, launches into a story about her own youth, her own background, how smart she was, <laughs> and specifically saying, whatever you do, don't talk about yourself. Yeah, exactly. Don't talk about yourself too much, you know, and and mm. then continues to launch right into this monologue, so much so that she doesn't even realize that Woody is checking his watch, seeing the time, he's like, he has to go, and he bolts and heads for the thing, just as Cliffy walks in, and Cliff takes Woody's seat, and Diane comes back as she's mixing a drink, doesn't even realize the person has changed until she gets to the end of her story, she's like, I'm sorry, Cliff, what was your question? And And, <laughs> and for a moment... Cliff is speechless. Yes. So, bravo, Diane. Yeah, maybe the first time we've ever gotten that. It just kind of like it hangs on this like little silent beat with Cliff like looking like what, and and we cut to the credits. His speechless look was awesome, and uh, I don't know if you two know this. I was just thinking about it. But the code opens. The credited writer. Do they write those or are those pitched? Maybe that's an interesting question because so many of them could be out of order or out of sequence. Some of them, obviously, some some of the cold opens lead directly into the episode, and they're like they're part of the whole story. I, uh, I I would say that's probably it's a writing room, and I'm pretty sure that it probably might get credited to the writer of the episode. But in a writing room, they might just be throwing things out, and oh yeah, we're going to use that for the cold open. We're going to do that. So yeah. I think it probably is a collaborative process on on some of them that are directly tied to the episode itself. Right, right. Or they'll they'll kind of get a sense of, okay, how long is this episode going to be? Okay, the story only fits the A and B blocks, so we'll, we're going to have a cold open that has nothing to do with the regular story. All right, mm-hmm. what are the ideas we have for these kind of separate cold opens? Okay, oh, this one about Diane gives a speech and doesn't realize that Woody isn't there anymore. And yeah, okay. So then, and then maybe just like based on that, Heidi Perlman would pick it up and write that script. Cliff goes from speechless to once Carla comes in and like starts mentioning, you know, she looked in the newspaper and saw that the Boston Boppers are having a reunion. Cliff is like, who are the Boston Boppers? And somebody had to ask that question just for Mm -hmm. the sake of like exposition, (laughs) but seemed a little surprising that Cliff wouldn't have heard of them. Yeah, that that would be more of a Diane question. That, That would be the perfect one to ask who that was or what that was. Yeah, Diane or Woody, somebody who just like wasn't part of that mm-hmm. group. But yeah, you'd think, yeah. You know what I um, love about this episode is that this is when we think of Cheers, I think of it as this show that came out in the eighties. You know, it, it's a classic, it's timeless. But what's interesting about this is, as I'm having this conversation with you and people are listening to this, you are listening to a '90s guy talk to you right now. Like, yes, I know it's 2021, but my perspective and my ideas about stuff pretty much hatched out of the 90s and so what i like about this episode is yeah they're in 1983 1984 whenever this aired but they cut their teeth sam cut his teeth 
uh, Carla, same thing. Late sixties, the seventies. So you just happen to see them in the eighties, but they're actually sixties and seventies people. I, I, I like thinking about that kind of stuff. Well, you have things like American Bandstand. Uh, for some some parts too, things like Happy Days. Think about you know the the sock hops and a lot of the things that the kids did back in those days too. And and you are when this show came out, there was a lot of shorthand, just like there's a lot of shorthand for a lot of things we see now. Same shorthand that they have back then. Some kind of dance contest, local city thing. People are like, oh yeah, I remember that. You know, we used to do something like that, or we had that in our city. It was easy to see. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure, like, they mentioned that this is a reunion special, so 20th anniversary, maybe? Something along mm-hmm. those lines, we've got to assume. So this would have been a show that was on 66. Yeah. So you're trying to imagine, like, the, the groups that they were dancing to, you know, like the seminal early rock and roll groups. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when Car- Carla says Nick was her dance partner, but that was before they had to get married. And that's when, like, Woody is coming up and he's like, boy, had to get married? They sure have some tough dance laws up here. I think it was, uh, pregnant 16-year-olds can't hooly gooly oh, on yeah. TV. Those yeah. were repressive times. Yeah. But, but when when Woody says, "Boy, they sure have some tough dance laws up here," it's it's a great joke. And then Sam immediately goes, "Woody, wipe off that table." <laughs> like, yeah, I so, love that because yeah, again, was, that's that kinda, graduation of Sam being the patriarch. Because he wouldn't have said that to Coach. No, but no, he's but, the older yeah. guy now. So yeah, I love that. But it was sort of like it almost kind of felt like, oh, Woody, you're, you're too dumb for this conversation. Go, go, do work on something else over there. I, I'm going to tell you to go away in the most kindest form I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, you're not going to be helpful right now. So get some work done. Yeah. Um. Then of course she's like, you know, I I can't. She refuses to ask Nick, but she's like. But, but however, if somebody else wanted to call him, and she just happens to drop his phone number, and then she's like, now I'm going to walk out of earshot for a couple of minutes and take, leave it to Woody to go, you know what, I got this idea. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like Inception. Like, if you yeah. want to incept Woody, don't wait till he's asleep. Just <laughs> just say something, and he'll be like, oh yeah, I thought of this. Yeah, she, th- there is no subtlety with Carla in, a, in most circumstances, but this <laughs> one is like... The nice thing is that she's letting the guys know that, hey, this time it's okay not to listen to me. Listen mm. to the subtext. Right. It's okay. I'm yeah. not going to hurt you. Yeah. And if that's not clear, I'll even shout out the area code. <laughs> hey, what's from the area the code? Plural. 609. <laughs> Thank you, Carl. So, th- so then we get Nick and Loretta walking, and it's they're, they're this couple that when they open the door, they, you just you laugh because you're like just the way they move together and they're just but then we get this epic first encounter between now Nick is seeing a face that he's not familiar with he's never <laughs> seen Woody before Woody's never yes. seen him. yes first appearance yes I love that <laughs> yes and they get a great setup he's like who are you he goes I'm Woody big deal <laughs> <laughs> Woody Boyd with a smile and a handshake yeah. out. Woody Boyd, big deal. Just big deal. Like, it, well, you asked the it, question. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, for real. That fast. It's that fast. It hits you. Yeah, so, and then he's like, "Where is everybody?" Oh, there's those two bozos. <laughs> it shows he points to Norman <laughs> Cliff, which shows you like when Nick isn't on screen when he's having his hey the Tortelli show, which will show up later. You know, like how, how he thinks about these people, like the pecking order where he sees himself. Yeah. Um, 
And then the, the scene is rescued because Diane comes in and she recognizes him. And they're all, maybe the fact that they knew, like, they, they invited him on Carla's behalf, they're all kind of prepped for this because they're, they're very cordial as much as they can be. <laughs> and Diane's like, Nick, hi, <laughs> welcome back to the show. He's like, hey, Blondie. And he's like, have you been thinking about me? And she says, only when it's flea and tick season. <laughs> and thinking that is, you know, he's, he says, you know, in my neighborhood, that's every, you know, that's all year round. Thinking that's a flex when yeah. we know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Based on Diane's response, like, I'm sure it is. There's something about him, and I think it's the great casting that they, and we talk about it all the time, too, with Nick and, and his now wife. You see them together, and you're just like, it's the polar opposites. It's he comes in like a unshaven, unwashed gorilla. And she comes in like she's right off of the wheel of fortune. You know, she's she is ready to turn the turn the letters for Pat Sajak in a moment's notice. And it's just so dynamically opposite. And we love it. We absolutely love it. They they're so they get so much mileage out of just out of the occasional cut shot to Loretta, and mm-hmm. it's like she knows it's like oh she knows there's a light on she instantly kind of turns her head and smiles and gives it a wave. Yeah, it's yeah. like she's waiting for that moment when people acknowledge her and she's going to be smiling. And it's like she, she, she always is in the right it's, spot. <laughs> it's kind of like her battery goes into sleep mode when she's not talking. Wow, like, <laughs> uh, Ashford, I don't know. I don't think we've talked about Nick on the show with you as a guest. So what like. Your overall impressions, like what when you see Nick Tortelli, what do you think? What do you how do you feel? <laughs> what I think is brilliant casting because when you know we're watching the final product, so we're like, of course. But maybe uh, another crew wouldn't have seen it that way. But I mean, he commands the room. They allow him just hey, eat up scenery, right? And he comes in so confident because he's so primal, right? And just the two of them, they almost come off like they could be like Tim Burton characters in the background or another kind of version of the Adams family. So yes, it's, yes. they're yeah. interesting. And, um, his clothes, I'm just like, man, in the early 2000, it was so easy to get outfits like his for like 20 bucks. Now, not so easily now. <laughs> yeah. Most they're of those the, ended up in Portland with the hipsters out here. So I'm sorry. Hey, I'm the sorry. Tortellis. Yeah. I, I know it didn't work out. They should give it another shot. <laughs> the reimagining it could work i'm telling you they're the non-goth versions of morticia and gomez Adams. yeah because <laughs> for whatever reason you, you'd call it primal he does have some sort of magnetism that works for him yes mm-hmm. um and you know sam comes out and sees it, he's like hey uh, nick thanks for coming out he's like hey anytime carla needs me and i'm available and you send me the bus fare i'm there <laughs> Uh, then we find out that Nick, who previously had been on TV in air conditioning repair or something like that, has now moved on to his Nick Tortelli's talent emporium. Uh huh. Um, and Loretta has moved on from the grinning Amer- or the singing Americans, the grinning Americans. I can't remember what it was. Um, she's now part of a trio that Nick is managing called the Lemon Sisters. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Lennon sisters. (laughs) And Nick is like, I'm also managing Wayne Newman. (laughs) (laughs) Do they throw their drinks at the Lennon sisters? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that line. Like, Norman's like, don't people confuse you with the Lennon sisters? And Lennon's like, I don't know. Do they throw their drinks at the Lennon sisters? (laughs) One of my favorite bits, and actually, it was almost my home run when Nick shows... Uh, Sam, his uh, business card yes, with a yes. talent important thing, and Sam is going to put it in his pocket. And Nick goes, "I only got one card." 
base pack. That was almost my home run. <laughs> and yet, it's like we're, we're shocked, we're surprised. But no, this is Nick Tortelli. Of course, he only made one business card. <laughs> Pride of Atlantic City. <laughs> and Carla is, for the first time, perhaps not repulsed at the sight of Nick um, mm-hmm. when she comes in. She's, they're actually kind of like uh, cordial, friendly, friendly. Like they they have a mutual um, gain in this situation. So they know, hey, this was one thing that we were apparently objectively really good at together. Mm-hmm. So let's win this thing, both benefit. But of course that can say, you know, he says he's a little bit rusty. This leads to her saying, well, it doesn't matter because I'm, the, I'm fine. I can, I can win this for us. And he's like, I carried you in your hat. I carried you, no, in your hat. And Everybody knew who was more talented. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Um, uh, and there was a great line here too. I would go with a monkey and win. <laughs> who would win? <laughs> yeah, who would lead? Who would lead? Who would yeah. lead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, Carla says she'll she'll go with Eddie Sisnik, the Polish prancer. Or something. <laughs> well, uh, actually, we before Loretta. He Nick says to Loretta that you know let, we'll do it. Oh, Nikki, I'm honored, and we we're not even wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the last time they danced was at their wedding, and they haven't danced fully clothed since. Uh. So, um, so that leads to so Carla calls up this Eddie Sisnik guy after Nick and Loretta storm off, mm-hmm. and Eddie uh, apparently dances on the street just randomly because <laughs> Cliffy, Cliffy comes running and he's like, "Hey, he's coming!" I call by, "Hey, Eddie!" and yeah, I can see him. But he is dancing with his shoelaces untied, and he slips and goes down the stairs. Um, we see him briefly after the commercial on the medical gurney being taken away by the paramedics. Uh, this guy, Eddie Sisnik, is played very briefly by Nick Dimitri, um, mm-hmm. who's mostly a stunt performer. He did, uh, he did tons of stunts. You can check out his IMDb page. Hell of a stunt. Yeah. yeah, when he when he did appear on screen as a character or a name, he was almost always playing lar- large physical types, bodyguards, thugs, um, cops, uh, those types of things. I think he's got like fifteen credits as a thug. So yeah, it, it, you look at his credits between the seventies and eighties, you think of a TV show that had mm-hmm. action in it at all. This guy shows up. Yeah, wow. um, but I I like the fact that because really all they needed was a stunt guy to go down those stairs. Yeah, and we really didn't need anything. But they were like, you know what? Let, give him a line, give him a line of dialogue or something, put him on the thing. So they actually gave the same. I'm sure he was the same one who did those stunts, and then they uh, they mm-hmm. put him on the bed and wheeled him away, giving him a little bit of dialogue. So that was cool. Yeah, I mean, they didn't need to look good. I mean, <laughs> look at Nick. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. the bar is already pretty pretty low. Yeah. We'll take whoever we get. You know. Yeah. So Carla is desperate for a dance partner. Sam very obviously does not want to volunteer. Um, but Diane, you know, oh, mentioned- wait, wait, hold on oh. a second. We need to back up because, you know, we have a scene with paramedics helping this poor guy. And of <laughs> oh, course, Cliff. Cliff. of course, Cliff is there. Of oh, course, uh, you know, you need a cervical collar on that knee. <laughs> <laughs> a cervical collar. Yeah. And give him like a hundred cc's of, of or give him like a hundred milligrams of cc's or something. Yeah. I gave up typing at that point in time. I'm like, I can't keep up. This is this, this hurts too much. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Sam, I mean, 
I kind of get it, kind of not. I mean, Sam being ashamed to admit he's a good dancer, I mean, I, I can see him in the context of the guys maybe not wanting to say he took a ballroom dance class with Diane, although I think if they heard about that when they were dating, they it wouldn't have been a big deal. But Sam being a good dancer, I don't think would have hurt him. I mean, as a as a womanizer, as a ladies' man, that would make him more attractive. It would give him some. I mean, I'm sure it, he'd go... It, he, was, he was going out in the 70s and early 80s. I'm sure they were going to dance clubs. I, I think this is one of the, only, the, the weakest parts of this episode in today's world. Because what they're really saying is here is he's afraid to be seen as gay. Yeah, it is a it is like a not so subtle gay panic thing. Right, so, and, and so that's when they the mention, only reason yeah. why the joke is there. I mean, you, I, you, all the reasons you have are correct. It's like, you know, he would have those skills so he could be suave and smooth, but not too graceful. Right, not, not too, too graceful. graceful. <laughs> not the image of a guy wearing a tutu. Yeah, right, right. Ashford, what were you saying? Oh no, I, I would just laugh along. Like I like graceful, but not too graceful. Nope. <laughs> all right, that's an excessive amount. Mm-hmm. Grace like a swan, a bull swan, a bull a swan. Bull swan. Right. Um, and yeah, the um, fear of homosexuality or something, mm-hmm. they put the button on that with Cliff because they segue then when they're talking about Barishnikov and and Sam says, everybody knows why the women like Barishnikov because of the pains that he wore. You, they left no, There were no secrets in that. And Cliff mentions, like, I don't know. I think he was, like, I, I wouldn't trust my eyes with that case. I think it was padded. And they're like, Really, and like sort of like that. Cliff was noticing that thing. He's like, "Yeah, I probably got it from that catalog." And Norm goes, "What catalog?" And you even see that... the, the guy, the guy on the other side of Cliff, just kind yeah. of puts his drink down and just still looks at him. And Cliff is just so awkward that he just kind of like can't even like get a word out. He's like, uh, "Somebody mentioned my name," and he just can't, like gets up and leaves. This and, and might what's... be my favorite joke from Cheers thus far because <laughs> that revealed a lot because he. <laughs> You just told on yourself. And it's almost like the the gentleman to his right knew where he was going with this because he's like, hey, I subscribe to that magazine, too. You better stop yourself, Cliff, because you're about to reveal yourself. They said, what magazine, sir? He's like, uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, that was insane. <laughs> this is that's my favorite joke of cheers thus far. No, I think that I think it's a good joke, too, just because it's. It's not even hitting any kind of other panic. It's just like, what weird thing are you looking at, Cliff? What magazine? You know, mid to late nineties. Yeah, there's a lot more of those magazines. Early two thousand or early nineteen eighties. Yeah, that was really subversive for that time. What magazines are you looking at, Cliff? I really have to run out there and check the mailbox before my mom wakes up because I know it's coming in. I got to get there. Oh, you know that that magazine was shipped to Cliff uh, in the paper bag, double paper bag. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? He's the postal carrier. He could have intercepted it any time yeah, he wanted. He could have had yeah. a special label on it to, to clue him off. You're like, he knows those things. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he also knows who else is getting those magazines on his room. <laughs> and, and, and here's another thing, too, about uh, Sam. There's no need for the gay panic. They wrote in there at the very beginning of this, you had a one-off marriage just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Just the, oh, yeah. so no one will wonder, like, wait, why is this guy still a bachelor? Why is he still single? They sealed the deal for you. They wrote at the very beginning, you just had this random marriage, just like yeah. they did at the very beginning of Taxi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, all right, moving on to the actual dance show with the Boston Boppers. 
the host of the show, the guy like playing like the MC, um, play uh, the character's name Floyd Penjeric, played by Hal Landon Jr., who I think a lot of our listeners will recognize as Ted's dad from Bill yes. and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes, I really knew him from Bogus Journey when he was possessed and acted like Ted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, like, does he seem really oddly miscast in this role to you guys, or is it just me? Like, I think it's because we are expecting him to be Captain Logan, and so we're <laughs> expecting that, you know, no nonsense or that kind of thing. If we had seen him in this first, we wouldn't have blinked twice. But having hit the knowledge of him mostly from Bill and Ted, it just seems really off. But I think it's a great casting for the look because – there's a couple times where like he is comes across as that geeky older guy who never quite meshed with the dancers. He was a good enough MC, but apparently never meshed with the dancers because they picked on him a lot. And he still looks geeky and not graceful, and he just doesn't fit there. And I think that works well, especially with you know the cool kids like Carla and Nick and everybody else. So yeah. I think it works well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess just, like, with within the setting, my expectation was, like, I, I was thinking the dance competition from Greece. I was expecting, mm-hmm. like, Vince Fontaine to be walking out amongst the group, like, with a perfectly kind of coiffed hair and, like, white veneers as Johnny Casino is playing in the background and everything like that. And he's kind of mingling and almost doing a flirtatious thing. But this is clearly somebody past his prime. I mean, he even yeah. jokes about all the hairs that he's missing and everything. And when he tries to make a joke, Carla shouts out, lame So it's probably like, this guy was never that hip, that cool, you know, like this wasn't American Bedstein. This was right. the local Boston knockoff of that. And it comes show. off like West Side Story where <laughs> yeah. the guy was from Adam's family. The actor, yeah. the actor. Yeah. And they kind of made fun of Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was thinking is that it would have been a, a rewrite, but coming in and actually having the suave, knowledgeable music lover, having Casey Kasem in that role that would have been funny. Especially with Gene Kasem playing Loretta. <laughs> yes, yes. But that would be a total rewrite, and you would miss some of the good jokes there where, you know, Carla's making fun of him. Hey, everybody, it's Casey Kasem. <laughs> oh, he's great. <laughs> I like, but once they start dancing, like, like other than, like, a rap-off, I've never seen, like, dancers, like, dance against each other. <laughs> like, like, not, like physically bodies against each other but like staring at daggers at each other with their eyes like trying to like I'm I'm out dancing you but we're not partners like well it it made me think a little bit of um they shoot horses don't they I I just happened to cover mm-hmm. another comic book that was that used a similar title but uh it lo- reminds me a little bit of they shoot horses don't they where you've got this dance competition of people who are past their prime doing this dance competition in order to win some money, some prize. And it's that desperation dancing almost yeah. um, with, with, with old school grudges thrown in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of grudges, you see the bit at the beginning with Carla and Cheryl. Where they <laughs> yes. both say, Is that you? Is that you? And they look like they're going to have this great emotional reunion and they just stare daggers into each other. It's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, perfectly. You know, again, sort of as Ashford was mentioning, that reveals something that we don't need to know the details. We just know, oh, Carla gets along as well with her ex classmates as she gets along with everybody else in wow. her life. <laughs> Wayward girls. The ashes of the bridges that Carla has burned in her past 
stretch miles, miles down that road. <laughs> One of the things I actually liked, um, as we, as we go back and rewatch this show in like whether it was syndication, whether it was the DVDs, or whether it was the streaming, a lot of times when they used popular music. They didn't retain the rights. Either they stopped paying for those licenses mm-hmm. or something else, and they just threw in something that was significantly cheaper or possibly free, like when the jukebox is playing and they didn't need something. Um, but this was one where the music was kind of key and kind of essential. And even though like only one song is like legit mentioned, they right. actually took the time out to, to get some of the songs. They use um, Tutti Frutti by Little Richard, Devil with a Blue Dress On by Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, and then the signature one at the end, once everybody's been eliminated, and Nick stops them. But like, they're like, we have a winner. And Nick's like, hold up, hold up. Y'all know me. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, but then we actually have Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers, which is maybe just the first of many, many Righteous Brothers things we will have throughout the life of Cheers. Because well, um, especially during the Rebecca years, they come they come back. And I was going to say, too, I'm, this was 1986, four years before Ghost. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Unchained Melody was was big to begin, was, was known, was really well known. But it didn't get that real punch in the late 80s until Ghost came along. So mm-hmm. Cheers was ahead of that curve. I was really amazed when I heard that song. Another thing, too, is one of the songs – was mentioned by name in the dialogue so i was like oh they're gonna change it because i remember you guys talked about this on a previous episode about they had to switch the song yeah they mentioned tutti frutti and then i was like are they gonna actually play it and then they 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 did and i was like oh okay and this is the right version too so oh we forgot too when when nick comes up there and grabs mike uh you might remember me from class of 62 63 and 64 wow And then before we actually get to that, um, I I did want to, because we were talking about it, Unchained Melody, if you guys want a fun rabbit hole to go down on YouTube, there is a, a, like, an entire subgenre of videos of women reacting to the song Unchained Melody. Oh, wow. And a lot of the reactions center around people being surprised that the singers were white. (laughs) When they're like, like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, then, then yes. So then, as they're like, as both groups are eliminated and they're protesting, they're like, "We have a winner," and they're about to announce some couple that we've never seen. And Nick just takes the mic, and he's like, "No, no, no!" And that's when he's like, "You know me, the three classes that I was supposed to have graduated from." Yep. And like the only what does he say? A grievous injustice is about to be done, or something like that. He's like, <laughs> "I only lost because I didn't have my real partner, because my real partner and my partner tonight stunk and throws Loretta under the bus." Yeah. And she storms across, and, and she does that beautiful. House <laughs> yeah, that that just. I mean, any expression she does, it is not only her face; it is her entire body that does that expression. <laughs> yeah. But and what she, about when they tap you on the shoulder, saying, "Hey, you're out," and then how Carla and Nick react? <laughs> yeah, they're about ready Carla's to throw throwing down. hands. <laughs> yeah, Nick was about to as well. Yeah, they're ready to punch him out, punch mouth on that one. Well, anger I mean, dancing, anger dancing. <laughs> I mean, at this point, five hundred dollars, uh, nineteen eighty-six money, five hundred dollars. Oh and a, yeah, and a trip too. to Hawaii, and, like, and a trip, and trip to Hawaii. You know, dance your way to Waikiki. Yeah. <laughs> it's Casey which, Kasem. Yeah. <laughs> which is probably their way of saying like five hundred dollars could get you through a trip to Hawaii in nineteen eighty-six. Yeah, yeah, walking, yeah. walking around, money. Yeah, exactly. 
Now that gets oh. you the uh, taxi ride from the airport to your hotel. With no eye contact. Yeah, yeah. Now, eye contact is an extra 200 bucks. <laughs> oh, that's got to be a you, special I see you've been to Hawaii lately. <laughs> <laughs> I show them my vaccination card. <laughs> Oh, oh! You, you you're showing us the card. That's another hundred dollars. <laughs> but it's required. That's another hundred dollars. <laughs> Keep talking. I'm just racking it up. Um, there's one shot from like during the during the dance competition. There's a shot that seems to be from Floyd's POV, looking at the dancers in the crowd and what would ostensibly be the Boppers TV studio. Um, and it's actually they shoot the Cheers studio audience when they did that. I just thought that was kind of an interesting shot, like the little reverse angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we actually get the dance, the <laughs> slow, <laughs> slow dance between Carla and Nick. Now, we have talked on this show before about just the – abnormal movements of Nick Tortelli, who seems to be just slightly to the left on the evolutionary scale when you go from, like, Cro-Magnum to... (laughs) As a person, he wasn't necessarily put together well. (laughs) Thinking about a Donald Glover line from Community. Looks like God spilled a person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? Um... But he he starts the dance and he takes the lead and almost like hypnotically brings Carla back onto the floor with him like a marionette. What I, what did you think of the actual dance? Like it's it's hard to describe because it's it's painful to watch and yet hilarious. It, it's the reactions of everybody else watching it that this is normal. Yeah, you see something from Ted dancing a bit like he's like, okay, this is all okay. Everybody and everyone else is like, yeah, this is what we expect from them. And he's yeah. You see a little bit of reaction from from Sam, like, ah, oh, this is odd. But it's it's stilted, it's odd, it's an interpretation of the music. It's it's them going for the biggest laugh they possibly can by doing something so outrageous. And you can't see me, but you can hear the air quotes I'm putting up when I say sexy. Um, and, and and that's what it is, is they're trying to sell this these movements as sexy and romantic. And they're anything but. But you know that that's what they're conveying. So he's, actually, on he's literally dragging her feet across the floor at one point. It's it's caveman sexy, I guess we can call it. <laughs> Ashford, what did you think of the dance? It was a brilliant move. I think all the choreography, they did the right thing because, okay, with Sam, he was good enough for you to be impressed, but not too good where you're like, oh, wow, he's outshining everyone. And then at the very end, when Nick and Carla, when they do this dance, it's actually genius because the judges, they're thinking, well, this may not be good, but what if they're ahead of the curve and we're behind on this? We don't want to throw away a Picasso or, a, you know, <laughs> so, that, so let's say that this is brilliant and give it its, its gold. I like my brain, like did, did several steps. And like, once they start dancing and I'm rewatching, I'm like, Oh, they were never as good as they thought they were. <laughs> they they look ridiculous when they're dancing, and they just remembered it. Like, 
the danger of nostalgia. They remember themselves being the best. Of course they thought they could win, but they're bad. Okay. But then I'm like looking at the crowd and everybody's taking this seriously. Like there's like like the couples are holding each other and embracing like they're like, wow, this is something really special and romantic. I'm like Wait a minute. I was like, there's just something in the air? Is this like um like a like a mass psychosis thing? <laughs> like a- well, it's it's like one of the problems that you have. Um, there's a TV show, Studio 64, Aaron Sorkin's uh, show. He Studio did 60 West. on the Sunset Strip. Uh, yeah. th- sorry, Studio 60 on the West Sunset Strip. The show was known for being bad because they were supposed to like be this the backstage of a really funny Saturday Night Live show. But none of the jokes that they had on there were that funny because it's right. hard to write really funny jokes for a show that's supposed to be really funny. You, you can't bury it like that. You got the same thing going on here. There is no way that that these two actors can go out there and dance that well. They are not trained dancers. So mm-hmm. you're never going to sell it on that. What you have to do is you have to move the bar and say they are fantastic for this group. <laughs> yes. And, yes. and that's what it is. It's They are not the best dancers. They are not winning the best dancers in the world. They are the best dancers of the Boston Boppers. And they sell what the Bob- Boston Boppers are doing. And for us on the outside, for poor Sam, they're like, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but for that reason that you just described, even though they're like, we have a win- winner, like the, the flip and jerk was announcing another couple had won. Nick and Carla just steal the prize out from under them. They, they yeah. it's like, like what about the other couple? Did they just like, you know what? You're right. They they wanted it more. <laughs> Nick and Carla everyone was afraid. Everyone yeah, was that, afraid. that's the other thing. I mean, are you going to come up to Nick and say, "Hey, that's our tro Ooh, no. You know what? Have it. It's okay. It's okay. We we also should talk about what was happening on the side between Sam and Loretta. I'm gonna or, I, I'm gonna I, I will yeah. we'll come back to that one because that was my my uh, home run. So, but yeah, because Loretta is so is so upset that she assumes that Nick and Carla are going off together, and she feels so rejected and thrown under the bus that she wants to spite Nick by going to bed with Sam, which she invites as, "Do you have a van?" <laughs> I'm good too. Yeah, and she's like, I'm very good at it, and he's like, Look, you're way, reading way too much into it. how good. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he also says too, it's just a dance, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they come back to the bar. Sam tells them that you know they they they're like Carla won the trophy with Nick and everything. So I'm assuming based on the way it plays out that they decided to split it, that Carla's getting the money and Nick and Loretta are going to Hawaii. Yeah. At least that's how they would have divvied it up. Um, but yeah, once Sam and Diane take off, they leave the bar and there Carla's alone to close. There was one good line in there too, uh, where they asked Sam what they were like. They were like Fred and Ethel, which was a nice throwaway line, but I, I loved it. Uh, just speaking to Fred and Ethel from, I, I love Lucy, you know, the, the other couple that they're, they're friends who are supposed to love each other, who hated each other off set so it's the entire idea that oh yeah they look like they loved each other but they they still hate each other they hate each other <laughs> yeah. um and then 
then Nick comes in and he tells Carla that tonight was destiny. Uh, it was destiny that the boppers got their reading. It was destiny that Nick, Eddie Sisnick fell down the steps and couldn't dance. All of this was to lead them back so that they could be together and it could be just like old times. And what if she goes to Hawaii with him and they're, it'll be just like how it was between them in the Hill days. And Carla's actually thinking about it for a second, and she's like, wait a minute, what about Loretta? He's like, what about her? She's in the car at the air, waiting for to go to the airport. She's at the airport waiting for us. And an egg right to the head. <laughs> and like, then, so is that a no? Is that a no? <laughs> what was Carla going to make? That's what I was wondering. <clears throat> oh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to, did her – she has that famous open leap into an open grave drink. Did that have eggs in it? I don't remember. That's what I'm thinking because I it, think it I've seen that before. Yeah. Oh, she made a bunch of stuff in, in season one and um, – you know, it's yeah. the bar. It's the bar, and there was an egg there. I mean, you know, I don't. I just take it that she had the egg there. It's Carla. There, She's I mean, ready there, for this at any point in time. <laughs> there was there are some whip drinks. I know, like they probably back they used eggs a lot more. You know, before yeah. you know, salmonella scares and stuff like that. Norm did have an entrance in here, and I always like to pull those off to the side. Woody's saying, "How's life, Mister Peterson?" <laughs> oh, I look at it every one every once in a while when I'm out the John. I didn't mean the magazine. Neither did I. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. And just a smirk on, on, on his face as he's saying that. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, this ex- this episode didn't have a B-plot or anything like that. Like, Norman Cliff really didn't have much beside their brief little jokes. Um, Woody and Diane were almost, you know, non-factors at all. Um, I mean, they maybe that's why they got the, the teaser to themselves. But, uh, yeah, speaking of Norm for his tab, he had three beers this time, uh, which brings him up to 357 for the series at this point. My boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going through the uh, the employees of the week. Ah, this was tough, but yeah. I, I will, I'll, I'll ask you guys. Ashford, who did you think? Who was your employee of the week for this one? I'm going to go with Carla. She showed us some rough sides. She showed, showed us a soft side. I thought that Sam was a really good friend, but I'm going to go with Carla. Rick? I, I went with Loretta. Um, and, and it's really easy to go with Nick on this, but I, looking back, I loved all of Loretta's beats. She had all of the great punchlines. She's a fantastic stand-in for any any straight man punch. And hi, gang at cheers. Bye, gang at cheers. Just her bubbly effervescence against Nick is just such a relief. I, I had to go with her this time. I had to go with Loretta. You know what? No kidding. That She was my front runner, too. I had Loretta in my nose. I was like, any other episode, I will give it to Nick. And I was like, this is probably going to be the only episode when I'll give it, when I could give it to Loretta. So I think I had to. Yeah. So, I mean, Carla was phenomenal in this episode. Nick was great as always. Um, Sam was fine for his purposes. And mm-hmm. everybody else was, was good. But I was like, this was going to be Carla, Nick, or Loretta. And I was like... I think this is the only time I could give it to Loretta, so I'm going to do that. And also because she had my home run line, um, which I'll leave with, which is going back to that scene when she's talking to Sam and she's trying to, I guess, seduce or just, not even seduce, but just proposition Sam. She's like, do you have a van? She asked him that. And she's like, she's like, It'll be, I want to do something to punish Nick, and I'm good at it too. And then she just kind of looks to, down to the floor and she's like holding herself. She's like, even though I don't like it very much. <laughs> That is wow. 
<laughs> I just there's I, a lot there. There's a I, lot. I couldn't help it. Just to see someone of her physicality, her physical stature. I mean, you look at her, and in the context of the times, you know why any man would be drawn to her. You know what Nick was thinking, why he picked her up, why he and and. To find out that she's good at sex, but she doesn't like it. And the way she phrases it, like, I don't like it very much. <laughs> and just, just the confusion on Sam's face as he's trying to deconstruct this dance that's happening in front of him. Deal with getting hit on by Nick's wife, which is giving him... <laughs> the fact that it's Nick's wife is giving him pause. That's it. That's it. Right. And, and, and then just trying to deal with... Well, there's a lot that I got to unpack here, and this is more than I can handle. <laughs> she wants to have revenge sex, but which she like even under the best of circumstances, she wouldn't like. But they're like Heidi Perlman. Yeah, I um, I I went with my home run as that ending. Um, what about Loretta? She's waiting for us at the airport. <laughs> the egg is that a no? I that killed me. It was the perfect button. I'm like. I, I I couldn't go back from there. I I was like, no, no, that was that was set in spike right there. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, Ashford, what was your what was your best one? My home run is, uh, you know, tonight I felt special, not like you know a, an older person with six kids, but a teenager with two. <laughs> I forgot. About I, that. forgot. <laughs> I had that line in my notes too. I forgot to say that. That was yeah. good. That was so good. <laughs> not, not like an old woman with six kids, but a teenager with two kids. That is wild. A whole different bar. You have to just set the the meter Mm. at a different level when you have these Mm. discussions with the gang of cheers. Uh, My my runner-up, it was actually a physical gag. It was during the dance. It was when the first time Nick kind of twirls Carla and she kind of swoops like over over his arm or oh, like over his leg or something, but she's still kind of um, kind of stiff. And he just like blows a hair on her neck and she like crumbles. It's like a puppet whose strings have been cut. She just goes down on that because he blows on her neck. Just that little physical beat. I was like, wow. Wow. Oh, like it's not the best episode, but there's just moments in this that are just amazing. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's that's where it sets us apart from a lot of the other episodes that we see on Cheers. This is a very different episode, a very different focus, and and it's it's fun for that reason. Yeah, and just like the premise of like, okay, a dance competition between these sub, these like supporting characters and these guests, like this could have been off the rails, this could have been, I don't want to say lowbrow, but this could have just been like really out of Cheers' wheelhouse. Like, Like to get any one of these like dance settings, I always think of like the date with two or the guy with two dates to the same dance or something like that. I was like, this is like a weird, like saved by the bell type of like, like prom type of thing or something. But to, to have it be, to just lean into how ridiculous this is. Well, and, it's, it, it's also yeah. an ongoing theme that they have with the show is these are not the winners. These, <laughs> these are the losers. I mean, Sam has his, Sam has his godhood of being sports by being a relief pitcher for, a couple of years. Hurrah. You know, it's not great. It's not fantastic, but that's what he's got. Carla doesn't have anything else in her life besides her friendship to Sam and how wonderful she used to be on the show. You know, we, a few episodes ago, you had Cliff. He he was one of, what, 267 postal carriers that got an award? <laughs> they, are, they are striving for mediocrity, and they're holding on to it with both hands. And 
they are gods in each other's eyes for those moments. And that's what we love about them because you know, we look at them, we're like, well, we're no any better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Ashford, any final thoughts on the episode before we go? I love the episode. I'm glad that I was able to talk to you two about it. Um, I had a lot of fun. I, I, and I loved all the old references from Fred Astaire to uh, Fred and Ethel. It, it was really fun. Um, and also they made that reference where it was like uh, Richie Valens. And then they said, who do you like now? And it, it was the joke like it's like a similar act. Oh, Fabian yeah. was like. Yeah, yeah. I've got that one here. Uh Tell us the person who you most admire then and the person you most admire now. I'm Cheryl Kwaski from Brockton. Back then, I guess the person I admired the most was Frankie Avalon. And now, now I have to say Fabian. (laughs) Wow. Wow. All right. All right. Well, Rick Ashford, both of you, thank you so much for being my guests on this episode Rick, where else can people hear you if they want to find more about you in the podcastosphere? Well, me and my co-host Jeff, who does a lambada that will make you change your religion, we have a show called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. I also host a show called Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Networks, and that's where I show a film to a guest that they've never seen about it before, and we talk about it because the world needs another movie review show. Ashford, what about you? Where else can you be found? Uh, you can listen to me uh, talk about Friends and Seinfeld at the Manhattan Project. And uh, you can talk to me at Hunter's Podcast on Twitter. And I just wanted to say, if somebody tries to take my place, let's pretend we just can't see his face in this world. There's nothing I would rather do. I discovered I'm in love with you because I'm happy just to dance with you. George Harrison in Hard Day's Night. <laughs> I've been singing that song to myself throughout this whole podcast. Just listen. <laughs> Uh, it's so much fun to have Ashford here. We're trying to one up each other and, and I'm going to have to give him that one. Cause that works. You, you rule, man. I love it. <laughs> How many episodes of Seinfeld do you have left? Oh, you know what? We're in season eight. So from okay. season eight to season nine, and then we're going to carry on with friends. What ended up happening during the, the start of the pandemic, it was the episode where Courtney Cox comes on Seinfeld and you know, she's like his pseudo wife. And I was oh, like, right, oh, right, man, right. Courtney Cox is great. It's great. And remember, like, during the pandemic, everything was a great idea. Like, let's get a dog. Let's get a cat. <laughs> and I was like, hey, let's do a Friends podcast. And now I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon like these two guys do, and I am so grateful that they continue to support the show, and that is not the reason they're on this episode. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, we bought our way on. It's all For good. more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. You serious? Yeah. What are you saying? I'm saying I want you to go to Hawaii with me tonight. Now. Please, Carla. Make this dream of mine come true. Tonight was incredible. Yeah. Wow, you and me in Hawaii. Yeah. Palm trees. Palm trees. Sipping Mai Tais yeah, on the Mai beach. Tais. It'd be paradise. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What about Loretta? 
What about her? Uh, she's waiting for us at the airport. <laughs> Is that a no? <laughs>